Hi, and welcome to Quick and Gritty Takes, our independent news network where we discuss hot topics and news provincially, nationally, and internationally. We'll take about four to five items and under three minutes discuss our gritty takes on the subject matter. We hope that this can be a forum where you can take these topics and continue the conversation. And we may even develop some into full podcast episodes if you like it. We also want to add a patient safety tip at the end for all listeners because increasing health literacy and patient safety is always top of mind for us. So without further ado, we're going to talk about the first headline, which is in Ontario. There was a news story that said parents waited 11 hours in an Ontario ER with a child suffering from allergic reaction, and they focused their anger not at the nurses, not at the doctors, not at sick kids, but just at our government. Amy, what are your quick and gritty takes on this one? Yeah, you know, I I am beyond frustrated. I actually tweeted this morning that, you know what, I can't hold my punches anymore in relation to this government. They are gutting health care. They're gutting educational services. Folks who are homeless, they're like, they're not talking about these other issues, but just just even dealing back to the health the healthcare issue. Think about a child who is suffering from an allergic reaction. Like my two kids, sorry, my my one son, he has severe, severe allergies to nuts. And um Watching him have an allergic reaction is very, very scary as a parent and as even even as a nurse. And I couldn't imagine my child sitting in the emergency department, um, you know, suffering this allergic reaction and knowing that again, and I think I have a little bit of a different perspective than someone who who comes to the healthcare system with, you know, not even having those fresh eyes as being a nurse or a physician. But the fact that they recognize that it's not the nurses, it's not the 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 doctors, it's not even the system, that it's our government. Our government is intentionally continuing to gut, remove funding, remove services, increase privatization of healthcare, and just does not give a fuck. So I'm getting to the point where I'm just like, okay, you know what? You're not doing that. You're not playing with kid gloves. We shouldn't be playing with kids, the kid gloves either. Because at the end of the day, it's patients and families who are suffering. And we're now starting to see that kids are becoming a monopoly too, and they're suffering as well. Yeah, I can't imagine how this family felt 11 hours. Can you just imagine sitting there for that long? I would want to take this into my own hands. And I feel like we're losing we're losing trust in the government because when it comes to life and death, we can't count on the healthcare system anymore. And again, it's not the healthcare system's fault. It's not the people working in healthcare because they're suffering from their own moral distress issues. Like if I was this nurse, I'd be feeling just as upset as the parents that I wouldn't be able to deliver the care that they need. Yeah, we're at the point where I think um, it's it's more than a tipping point now, right? We're just kind of like, we see what's happening. And now I think the public is starting to see, because obviously if you have to enter the healthcare system, you're going to see and hear all of those things that nurses and physicians and other people have been saying that, you know, this is, it, this now is intentional. Um, the funding is available, it's there, and the provincial government is not using it. And I think people have to start understanding too, that they're like, oh, you know, maybe it's the federal government. Provincial healthcare is actually delivered by the provinces. They receive funding federally, but it's up to the provinces to deliver on the the provincial forms of healthcare. And I, right now, our four government is to blame. But anyways, let's jump into the next story. So this one is more of a national story, and it's related to Canada specifically. And I love this one. I don't know if you got to take a read at some of the stuff. I did. I did. I just, I just, I was just like, this is the freaking icing on the cake for me. So this story is actually about a Justin Trudeau advisor who defends the use of, and I'm gonna, I'm putting it in air quotes, crude language 
online in exchange with the right wing group. So the right the right wing group is Canada proud. They have been anti-vax, misinformation, everything negative to the helm. And they are the most belligerent, unprofessional, disgusting, deplorable group that is out there right now. And they had the gall to use crude language, crude language towards this MPP, and they honestly couldn't take the heat. So I, the saying is, if you can't take the heat, get your ass out the kitchen. And then this MP, this the advisor, which is hilarious, she just gave them a dose of their own medicine. And I think the whole idea behind crude language is we see this type of thing come up all the time, particularly when it comes to talking about women and swearing and these different things. There's different standards for women that there are for men. But the other piece of the argument I was seeing online was they're like, well, you know, as a, as someone who's supposed to be representing the government, how dare they? How dare they? And it's like, so as an individual, whether I have a job or whatever the case may be, I should have to take verbal abuse, physical abuse in some cases, just because I'm elected official fuck that shit i'm so glad <laughs> that she came out and told them that they had a raging boner for her because clearly they did and they and you know what they backed down there there it's kind of funny um it just shows how petulant that these groups really are that you know what they they can dish it but they can't take it that is hilarious so, you know when i first read this i read it really quickly i'll be honest and i thought it was justin trudeau himself and i was like whoa what's going on here but i think that sometimes to avoid hundreds of back and forth, you just need to get down to their level. And I'm sorry to say that is the level they're at. They're children and they need to be talked to that way to get the point across. And like you said, they did back down and, you know, people might have their opinions about what or how they should have said it. But I think the thing is they need to know that they're a very extreme right wing group and they need to be put in their place. A hundred percent. And I think that the other part of the narrative is when it comes to women and swearing, there's this, there's this, you know, double standard. There's this whole misogynistic take where it's just like a woman swears and now it's crude. And it's just like, okay, well, you know, men could get away with this talk. Other folks in, you know, in these arenas can get away with talk. Like I, I remember hearing um like you know, even police officers, firefighters, people like posting, you know, pornography type of images and having, you know, sex talk and all these kind of things. And it's absolutely acceptable when you're in the boys club. But if it's a girl, no, we can't do that. It's a double standard. It's ridiculous. Her language was really just in response to how disgusting and how how they were being towards her. And I, I you know what? I think that at the end of the day, if you can't take it, then you shouldn't dish it. And I think that what she said was fine. I think they deserved it times 10. But again, I think it's another conversation to have in relation to the fact that, you know, there are double standards out there. And nobody, whether you're in a position of power, should ever have to feel um, verbally abused or physically abused, whether they're in a position of a government, of a, of a government authority or not. Like, I think, uh, again, I think about Donald Trump and I think about how people praise him for all of this horrible stuff that he says. He says some pretty deplorable stuff. And it's, again, that double standard. So I, I think that, you know, uh, for these folks that are crying, the ones that, you know, who wave the F Trudeau flags, they can uh, have a seat. Right. And I kind of wonder, with, would this even be a headline if this advisor had been a man? Because I never see headlines about men swearing and whether right. it's a big deal, right? Like, I know it's not the headline itself, but I don't even think this would be an issue. It's like this is the whole narrative. It it was the is the woman against the man that was what drove these viral hits. And yeah. like you said, it's a double standard. When there's a woman who knows what she wants, she's she's uh, labeled as bossy. 
Um, but you never hear that about a man. So lots of double standards here. Um, just moving on to our last headline. This is an international headline. It makes me sick to my stomach to even read it out. There are organs of dead black incarcerated people in Alabama that are being removed and used for medical school anatomy courses without family consent. Grave, rob grave robbing the bodies of black people was a commonplace practice to provide cadavers to medical school. And they, this dates back to the 1700s. Wow. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. So, you know, this is actually something that I remember when I was actually going through a little bit of my huh. deep dive into understanding what, you know, racism and the history looked like and what particularly racism in healthcare looked like. Um, one of the books I read was a, a book called Medical Apartheid. And it really actually dives into the fact about like med school and kind of where some of these ideas and thoughts kind of came from. And um, it, it was really appalling when I got to the part where they talked about uh, um, the the abuse of black bodies, even in death, right? So they talked about, you know, kind of, you know, what, what happened, how, you know, they talked about like the father of gynecology and these various different things of how they, you know, handled and, and dealt with slaves from a healthcare standpoint. Um, but it was even more horrifying to hear um, the abuses of the black body after death. And I think that this was actually one of the things that actually um, black folks were really terrified of, particularly in the in the U.S., in relation to the the desecration of the bodies, I'm um, seeing them seeing skeletons being um, in some hospitals still today um, that were of slave individuals or skeletons of of black individuals who had disorders, and um, because there was nobody that would claim the body, or the bodies were actually stolen from um, graves, there 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 was there's a it's a huge huge problem. And um, some medical schools have actually re um, given back body parts and, um, you know, skeletal remains to these families. But um, it was a huge practice and it still is an ongoing practice. And it's um, mm -hmm. it's shady AF. I think that, again, this is now some, another thing that black individuals have to 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 to, you know, be a part of and unfortunately have to deal with. And I don't think it's something we should have to deal with, but I think it's good to have public awareness again about, you know, these atrocities and these things that happen. Right. And I think anybody in medical school should really be questioning when you do these dissections, where are the bodies coming from? Because it's one thing for someone to donate their body to science. It's a complete other thing for this body to be taken from someone's family and, you know, violated for the gain of the medical the medical um, school program. So I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg. I feel like there's probably a lot more to the story that we don't know. Yeah, again, and I, I think when we were looking at members of society who these this typically happens to, we're looking at, again, they said like organs of, of, of Black incarcerated people in Alabama, um, folks that are precariously housed who, who may not have no fixed address, Jane and John Doe's, um, you know, it's it's a problem. And I think that, you know, medical schools have a responsibility and administrators have a responsibility to make sure that they're procuring bodies that are that are um that people are donating. And I think that um when these cases come to light, we need to put them out and we need to put these schools on blast. Absolutely. Um just moving on to our last part of this talk, patient safety tip, take the pain meds. And let's talk Take a little them. bit. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about fear of addiction in medicine because this is a really big thing. I know a lot of patients 
even in my past, um, really afraid to take pain medication. And I know it's it's not unfounded, right? There are instances where you can be addicted to pain medication, but then if you're not controlling your pain, it's going to spiral out of control. And I think even, Amy, you spoke about this when you had your knee surgery, about how you didn't take your pain meds and then it got really bad. Well, it's not even that I didn't take my pain meds. This, this is another story for another day. It's more the fact that I didn't have my pain managed appropriately. So, you know, mm. being discharged at 11 o'clock at night, you would hope that they'd maybe give me something stronger to carry me to the morning. And and they didn't. But uh, that's a whole other story. But I think this is in relation to the fact that if you actually are prescribed, you know, narcotics, maybe it's hydromorphone or, or, or morphine or or um, any of the other likes, um, that there is this huge fear. So for example, like my mother-in-law just recently had um, some foot surgery and she was terrified to take the hydromorphone. And I'm like, but if you're in pain, you should take it. And she's like, well, I don't want to have dependency. I'm like, you know, short-term use, um, especially for a very acute and painful surgery, you're really not going to get addicted. Like even if, even if you had an addicted type of personality, short-term use is not going to cause that addiction to that opiate. And, but there is a lot of stigma. Uh, there is a lot of, you know, there we still are facing an opiate crisis um, where folks do die of uh, opiate overdose. But this isn't the same thing. I think the fact of the matter is if you are in pain, so for example, even my my cousin had a recent uh, huge surgery, um, it's important that you take your pain meds because it actually decreases the um, your healing factors. If you don't, um, it, it just decreases the time that you get your recovery time. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, you probably need it. There's no reason to be sitting in, you know, 10 out of 10 pain when you can minimize it. And the thing is, again, at the end of at the end of your you know, um, your surgery or whatever the case may be, or I should say at the end of your recovery, you might have only taken maybe, you know, four or five hydromorphones. So you're not going to be addicted. Yeah. And I think that as a patient, you should ask your provider or mention it that you're concerned about addiction, right? And be educated on on what that looks like. And I think on the other end, providers need to give a little bit more patient teaching to patients if they seem hesitant to take pain medication or they've mentioned um, fear of addiction. So I think that it's just about education as well. Yeah, make sure you, one, as a provider, make sure you're providing the adequate uh, medication supports for the for the type of surgery that individual has, not using, um, you know, any biases that you have. And two, as a patient, please take your medication. It'll really help with your recovery. But that is it for our quick and gritty takes. Thank you so much for listening to us. Make sure that you tune in next week to the Greeners podcast for our podcast episode. Stay tuned. Thanks so Thanks. much. Thanks for listening.